Welcome to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more info about Freedom Church, visit hellofreedomchurch.com. We are beginning a new series of sermons entitled Nine to Five. And in it, we're going to be looking at work. Uh, Work. We're going to dive into that. It'll be the next four weeks, and I'm really excited about it. But anyway, it is great to see everybody. Good morning. Uh, And good morning to everybody in Crookston. We love you guys. Uh, I know Pastor Jared is with you guys today, and and Nate's just uh, with some family in Texas today. But anyway, love you guys. And then just everybody online. It's, It's just great being together. How many... If your boss is here, you don't have to answer this question, okay? But how many enjoy your work? How many? No, I'm not going to ask. I don't think I better ask that question. You know, I was really surprised when I was doing a little bit of study on work uh, this last week. I found out that 90%, 90% somewhat like their job or really like their job. 90% of Americans like, like love what they do. And I think that's awesome. I love what I do, and I'm not just saying it, right? I better say it, but, but I, I, I love what I do. Uh, it, it's a wonderful thing, and, and uh, so we're doing this series on work, nine to five. Uh, and just as I did in the last series of sermons, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to launch today by going all the way back to the beginning, back to the book of Genesis. And so Genesis 1.1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, When you look back to scripture, the very first activity that you see God doing, you see God, or we see God, working. In the beginning, God was working. On the first day of creation, and there for the next six days after, he created the planets, the sun, the moon, the stars, all the planets. He created the stars. He created, you know, the dirt. He created the trees. He created the fish. He created the animals. All of it. How many think that's like a really, really big job? That would be a full week. If, had we done all that? Like, now that's a full week. And then on the sixth day, God created Adam and Eve. And when he created Adam and Eve, what did he do? He created us in his image after his likeness. Again, when we talked about this in in, in the the previous series, almost every Sunday during the the God's plan, we talked about from these verses of Scripture. Uh, Verse 26 says, Then God said of, of Genesis 1, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created us in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. We were created in the image and the likeness of God. And part of that image has to do with productivity and being able to work. Right? I, I know this is not something we typically talk about in church. I've not, I don't know if I've ever heard a series, even much of a sermon at all about, just based on work. But part of that, we were made, we were made, when God created us, we were made in his image. He worked for six days. We were made to work. Right? Is that good news or is that bad news? That's, that's awesome news, Right? Genesis 2, 2, and on the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done. For six days he worked, and we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks, uh, uh, um, on the whole Sabbath principle, what does that mean? But after six days, God completed his work, and then he rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had done. And then the Lord God planted a garden, verses 8 and 9 of Genesis 2, planted a garden towards the east in Eden, 
And there he placed the man, Adam and Eve, whom he had formed, and out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then the Lord God took the man, Adam, and put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. So what God does after he works for six days, creating all this beautiful creation, then on the sixth day he creates Adam, creates Eve, and then he takes him and puts him in the garden. And why did he place him in the garden? Because he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to cultivate it. I want you to work. Part, you were made, you were created to work. So I want you to be productive. I don't want you sitting around, Adam, just gaming all day long in the garden, okay? What I want you to do, I want you to work. Okay, I want you to work. According to most recent statistics, the average American, including men, women, regardless of gender, regardless of age, work an average of 34.4 hours per week. The average man works 41 hours per week, while the average woman works 36.4 hours. Married men work an average of 4.5 hours more than what single men do. And I know there's a joke in there, some, but I just feel I need to pass on that for today, <laughs> for my own benefit. Uh, if you add all of the hours together of, of a person that works in their lifetime, if they were to start at 18 or, what, or maybe even 22, I don't remember exactly the numbers I'd use, and go all the way to you know, mid-60s of retirement age, you will have worked somewhere over 13 years straight of your life. Like, that's a long time to work. Think about that. So much of our life revolves around our work. We are consumed by our work. Whether it's our eight-hour shift, our four-hour shift, our 10-hour shift, or whatever. I mean, we are just consumed with work. We think about it. Our life focuses around it. It really speaks to us so much. So much of our life revolves around it. And really, it starts really young when I think about it. We encourage our children to pick up their toys pick up their dirty clothes and put them like in the, in, in the laundry basket because we want them to be responsible. We want them to establish a good work ethic so that they'll be productive citizens so they can get a good job, right? And they can keep their good job. Right, mom and dad? For our teenagers, we want teenagers to get, you get good grades so that you can go to college, so that you can get a degree, so that you can get a good job, so that you can, what? So you can work. And then for the next 40-some years, we work. We work. We spend those next, again, however many years, I don't know, 40, 45 years working. And so let's be honest, we spend so much time at work. So much of our life is given to focusing on it. And that was all a part of God's plan. Genesis 1.31, God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Part of that was placing Adam and Eve in the garden, their tending, cultivating, and it was very good. And so actually, actually work is something that's very good. Any agree with me? Yeah, it depends on, right? Depends on if the day starts with coffee and donuts. There's something very, very good about work, but I just, I just want to ask a couple questions today. When we talked about creation, when we look back to creation, we see a lot of different things. And we see that when God says it's very good, he looked at our gender. 
then it says that he made us male and female. And God looked at that and said, this is a really good thing. This is a very good thing. But as we've talked about, our en- the enemy wants to attack us in that area, in the area of our gender. We've talked about marriage and family. When God looked at Adam and Eve, he goes, this is really awesome. This is a really, this is a very good thing. But how many know that the enemy wants to attack us in the area of marriage and family? My, oh my, doesn't he do that? We think about our sexuality. We talked about that a few weeks ago when we dove into this thing, how he made us male and female. And the first thing he says is there, be like, multiply, reproduce, speaking about sexuality. And that's such a, it's a wonderful gift that he gives to, to, to us. But the enemy wants to come in to pervert that. And so we see all of these things from the beginning in the Garden of Eden. There's such beautiful things. And then how the enemy comes to try to pervert that. So when it comes to work, is like, does the enemy say, well, work? No, I'm not even going to touch that one. Like, or does the enemy really have a plan to undermine or to make work become something that God never intended it to be? Or does the enemy say, work? No, 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 that's, like, I'm not even going to touch that thing. Or does he come at, like, I think the enemy desires to really come against us in that area as well. In the same way that the enemy seeks to attack us in areas of God, in, in the areas of God's beautiful creative design, he also seeks to attack us in the area of our work. What does that look like? Well, he seeks to attack us in those areas to pervert it, to misalign it, our priorities, to make it, insult, to make it into something that God never intended it to be. And so, uh, you know, there's a lot of different areas we could talk about, but, but when it comes to work, there are basically two extremes. There's two extremes. On the one side is the person that refuses to work. And I am, I, am, I am well aware, please hear me out, everybody here, everybody in Crookston, everybody online, I'm well aware of there are very, very viable reasons for people who are unable to work. Whether, whatever challenge they're facing, I'm well aware of that, I completely understand that, and so I'm not addressing that issue at this moment at all. That's, I'm not ta- I completely understand that for whatever reason. However, there are those who are able to, who simply like, I don't like to work. And I can't say I've met lots of those people, but I do know some. The Apostle Paul addresses this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. He says, if anybody is not willing to work, then he shouldn't eat either. So Paul has kind of this like wishy-washy feeling about, (laughs) I'm being silly. Like, hey, he's saying, don't be lazy. If you're not willing to work, you shouldn't be eating then. This is the Bible, guys. This is what the Bible says. If you're not willing to tow your part, if you're not willing to engage and be the productive citizen and get a job and like do your part, he says you shouldn't, don't eat. And I'm, again, I'm not talking about people that are unable to do that for whatever reason. I understand that. I'm not a talking about that. Paul takes it very seriously. Read the book of Proverbs. Read the book of Proverbs and highlight the verses that speak to, to laziness or sloth and then diligence, and you'll find it's filled with verses. That's, that's, that, there's that. I'm also not talking about retirement, okay? I know people say, and I forgot to put the verse, I know people say, the Bible doesn't talk about retirement, and so I'd, you know, rather burn out than rust out, or whatever. And, and, and in it, the Bible actually does talk about retirement. 
it says in, 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 in Israel, once you hit 50, you retired. Wouldn't that be something, honey? <laughs> and so it does address that. But on this one side is people, on, they're, just, they're not willing to work. On the other side is this whole thing that, that uh, these last few decades, there's this new term that we've created, and we, we call them workaholics. I see some jabbing going on here. Uh, workaholism, as I've been studying it this last time, according to, to recent psychologists, has been coined as the addiction of the century. Workaholism. The addiction of the century. If you struggle with an addiction to alcohol or drugs, there are treatment centers to help you break free from those addictions. However, if you are an addict to work, if you're a workaholic, you are applauded for your work ethic, highly sought after, and hired away from your present company to work for the competitor. Workaholism has become the acceptable and the applauded addiction of our time. In this digital age with our smartphones and our constant internet access, you know what? It's only elevated because we are always on, right? We are always accessible. A workaholic is someone who simply is addicted. They are addicted to work. It's different than working hard. It's different than working long hours. Workaholism is something than working hard or working long hours. It's something different. There's a healthy level of satisfaction and fulfillment that God intended to come through work. This last winter, our garage had got like really bad. And so last Easter weekend, one of those afternoons, I remember I said, honey, I'm going into the garage. And I just like spent the whole time cleaning the garage. And you know what? I find myself like this. I'm walking by the, like down to go from our upper level down to our low level. I open up the garage door and just like, yes, this looks good. My life is good now because like the garage feels, I mean, there's just this, this, this level of contentment that comes from work, right? That, 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 that's how God intended it to be. But for a workaholic, it goes way beyond that. They work because of the personal value that, that's attributed to them or the sense of self-worth that they gain from the long hours and the demands of the work. They are addicted to work, and I'm not a psychologist in any way, but if you want to study something interesting, begin reading about workaholism. It's so complex. In fact, there were some Norwegian researchers from the University of Bergen. They identified specific symptoms that characterize workaholics. These researchers created seven characteristics to assess the likelihood that an individual possesses a work addiction. Anybody want to know what those seven things are? Number one is this. You think you can free up more time in your week to work more. If I only did this, I could probably work a little bit more. You spend much more time working than you initially planned, number two. You work in order, you work in order to reduce feelings of guilt, anxiety, helplessness, or depression. Number four, you've been told by others you need to cut down on work, but you don't listen to them. Number five, you become stressed when you're unable to work. Number six, you prioritize, or you, excuse me, you deprioritize de hobbies, leisure activities, and exercise because you're too busy working. Number seven, you work so much that it has negatively influenced your health. If you answered often or always to any of these, you may be toying with workaholism. 
That's a hard one. Because we have this, Mary and I have this discussion a lot. God created work to be a good thing. But but it's easy, oftentimes, or for whatever reason, it's easy for work to become something that God never intended it to be. Listen to what Solomon said, the wisest man, Ecclesiastes 2.4. I enlarged my works. I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards for myself. I made gardens and parks for myself. I planted them and all, uh, in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made ponds of water for myself from which to irrigate a forest of growing trees. I bought male and female servants. I had home-born slaves. I also possessed flocks and herds larger than all who preceded me in Jerusalem. Also, I collected for myself silver and gold in the treasury of kings and provinces. I provided for myself male and female singers and the pleasures of men many concubines. Then I became great and increased more than all who preceded me in Jerusalem. My wisdom also stood above me or by me. All that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure for my heart was pleased of all my labor. This was the reward of my labor. And then verse 11, thus I considered, Solomon gets all these done, all this work done. I mean, years and years of work. He gets it all done and he looks back on all of his labors. Verse 11, thus I I considered all of my activities which my hands had done and the labor which I had exerted. Behold, and behold, all was vanity. What that means, it was all futility. It was all a striving after wind. There was no profit in it under the sun. All this work, all this labor, and Solomon says, I get to this point and I look back, it's just like trying to grasp a hold of wind and put it in a jar. There's like, there's no, there's nothing to see for it. It's all like all futile, all in vanity. Verse 18 of the chapter, thus I hated, I hated all the fruit of my labor for which I had labored under the sun because I must leave it to a man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be a wise man or a fool, yet he will have control over the fruit of my labor, which I have labored by acting wisely under the sun. This too is vanity. He's saying, I've worked so hard, but you know what happens? I've, like, one day I'm going to leave this job. I'm not going to be king anymore. And the person that comes in has not worked for the stuff I've worked for. They've not labored for it. They've not planned for it. And how do I know what's going to happen? It's probably, he's just going to probably let it, like, He's going to lose it all. And everything I work for will be gone. What's the purpose of it? Verse 20, Therefore I, complete, there, I completely despaired of all of my, the fruit of my labor, which I had labored under the sun. When there is a man who has labored with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, then he gives his legacy to one who has not labored with them. This too is vanity and a great evil. Ooh. How does that make you feel about work? He says, it's all vanity. It's all futility. I work so hard, but I'm going to give it to somebody. You know what? There's going to be a day you're not going to be at your job anymore. There's going to come a day I'm not going to be standing up here as the pastor of Freedom Church. It may be through retirement. It may be through resignation, which I have no plans, or it may be in a pine box. But there's going to come a day I won't be pastor anymore, and you won't do, be doing what you're going to be doing anymore. And then what? Then what is what Solomon's saying? And we can get so caught up in the here and now that we forget about like, hold it. There's actually life beyond these things. So he says this, the wisest man that ever lived. 
that had wealth way beyond our understanding said this, there is nothing better, verse 24, for a man than to eat and drink, tell himself that his labor is good. This also I've seen that it's from the hand of the Lord. He says like, there's nothing better to say, God, thank you so much for the physical abilities to do what I've done today. Thank you so much for the mental capabilities to do. Lord, thank you so much, Lord, that this has been a great day. I didn't get my, all my to-do list done. I know there was some strife. There was some struggles. But God, just thank you so much for the day. He said, there's nothing better than looking back on your day of work and just saying, God, thank you because I did it for you. Thank you so much. Verse 25, he goes on. For who can eat and who can have enjoyment without God. Wow. This context is all, this verse is all in the context of work. So who can have enjoyment? Who can have fulfillment? Who can have satisfaction when we think about work without God? Without God. In other words, God needs to be a central part of every area of our lives, including what? Work. God has a purpose and a plan for our work. He has a purpose. And if you remove God from your work, it becomes about you. And please know today that you're, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, whether you're here or at Crookston today listening, or wherever you are, please know that your job is not about you. Tell the person beside you them that, okay? Sorry, dear, it's not about you. It's not about your benefits. <laughs> kind of dangerous, I know, I know. It's not about your shifts. It's not about your days off. It's not about your sick leave. It's not about your position. It's not about your advancement. It's not about all those different things. It's not about you. If it is, you will experience the futility of work like Solomon did. You'll say, I enlarged my works. I built houses for myself. I made gardens and parks for myself. I made ponds of water for myself. I bought male and female slaves, and I had home-born slaves. I also possessed all this. And every time he says, and it was all for myself. I was doing all this for me. When I got to the end, it's like, it's just futility. It's all vanity. And so a couple things as we wrap up today. God wants to use you in your work. And I just put three, three points, three areas. Number one, God wants to use your work to be a blessing to your family. Through our work, we're able to provide for our families. Right? We're able to put food on the table, a roof over their head, clothes on their backs, and we provide for our family. God intends our work, I believe, to be a blessing for our family. In fact, Paul has some real strong words that if, if, you know, that, uh, if we don't do that, provide for our needs worse than an infidel it talks about. If our work is not a blessing to our family because of the number of hours worked or because of the intense demands that bleed into our home life, then we need to reevaluate what we're doing and say, God, with the help of our husband, our wife, our parents, or whoever, say, God, Lord, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? Because there, there, are, there are seasons of busyness, I understand, and there are seasons of change, and there's all those things. But yet, if this is the general, if this is the general thing, we're given one family, 
And so I have to be able to look at that. Number two is this. God wants to use us in our work to be a blessing to our boss and to our employers. Let's be honest, guys. Not, not every person here, but let's be honest. In most of our jobs, we are hired to make money for our boss or our employer. Right? Not every job. I, know, I understand that. But that's oftentimes the purpose. So let's do this. Let's do a good job at that. Bless your boss. Bless your company. Bless your employer. As a believer, I think we should be one of the greatest blessings to, to those people that are over top of us. Show up for work on time. Don't take shortcuts. Go the extra mile. When there's a problem, come to your boss with, with, with solutions rather than problems. Uh, Mary and I spent a few uh, days in Arizona about a month ago. In the meantime, the elevators completely shut down. Can I tell you what Pastor Jared did? He's not here today. He's in Crookston, so he's listening. Can I tell you what he did? He called me and said, uh, and I, I missed the call. He says, I need, if you can call me, we've got a situation we need to talk about because we've got to get, we love families. We've got to get kids upstairs. So he called me and says, uh, okay, the elevators are not working. Here's four solutions. We can do this, 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 or this. I think the best solution, Mariah and I have talked, I think the best solution is number three. So I said, let's talk about it. Can I tell you what a blessing that was for me? He came to me and said, he could have said, here's the problem. What do you want to do? He said, he said, here's the problem, but I got four potential solutions, and I think this is going to be the best one. And guess which one we did? Number three. What a blessing. Be a blessing to, to, to that person that's over on top of you. Be a blessing. The company that you work for should be a better company because you work there. They shouldn't say, man, man, why don't, if only we didn't have that person from Freedom Church working for us, it'd be pretty great here. If we didn't have, if only we didn't have Christians working here, it'd be pretty awesome. But we got these Christians, and oh my goodness, no, I'm telling you, man, we should be the best workers there are. Right? No, I really believe this. Look at Joseph. Look at Joseph. Sold into slavery, and then comes to work for Potiphar. He's working with this, this, under this, the enemy, the Egyptians, this, this, the, this Egyptian ruler. And the Bible says in, in Genesis that while working, that everything that Joseph did prospered. As a result, everything that was underneath his oversight, everything underneath Pharaoh or uh, under Potiphar prospered. So much so that God, that, that they, they put like, says, as soon as Joseph became over the land, that everything there prospered, as soon as he was put in control. This was in Egypt. This wasn't Israel. This was in Egypt. And Genesis 39.5 says this, The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph. Thus the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned, all that Potiphar owned, in the house and in the field. Because of Joseph, all of it was blessed because of his incredible, like, just who he was. I want that to be said of us in our work. And you're like, well, you don't understand. My boss is not a believer. He's not a Christian. It doesn't matter. Ephesians says this, slaves, and, and that's the, the New Testament, like, workers, Right? Obey your masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely, just as you would serve Christ. 
Try to please them at all times, not just when they are watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all of your heart. That's Bible. It doesn't matter if they're a believer or not. We should seek to be a blessing to our boss or employer. Anybody owners of companies that would say, amen. And then number three, God wants to use you to be a blessing to your coworkers. What kind of effect are you upon the working environment that you're in? Make your place a drama-free zone. I am not into drama. Do not, like, a drama-free zone. Don't be lazy. Pull your weight. Do your part. Can I say that here? No, I'm serious. You're like, come on, now we're, now pastors has gone to meddling. This is just, come on. No, I'm talking, I'm serious. This, this is, this is very, like, that should be us. That should characterize us. We're not trying to, like, get out of work. We're not the ones sitting having donuts in the corner when everybody else is working. No, we're the ones like, like, what, what more can I do? Can I help you with this to the coworkers beside us? Because we're stepping up, not we're stepping back, we're stepping up. And realize that, that, that there is an element of our employment that has, a large, that has an eternal significance. That actually it's maybe not about us. It's not about like how much I'm making and what kind of benefits I have. Maybe it's more about eternity and maybe God wanting to use me to be a blessing to impact my boss and to impact, to impact the contractors I work with or whatever to impact the coworkers. Maybe that's it. And so sometimes I, I can get a little uncomfortable when people come to me, which has happened, say, Pastor, would you pray? I got to have a new job. Like, why is, why is that? There is not one Christian where I work. And I, I got, I, I, it's just so hard, I, I, I got to work with Christians. And I, I kindly, to the best of my ability, like, have you ever thought maybe that's why God put you there? Maybe that's why God placed you there. Maybe he realizes the hurts and the pains of those people that you're interacting with. And because if you know the answer who's through the person of Jesus Christ, maybe you're supposed to be an ambassador of heaven in that workplace. Maybe that's what this is all about. Maybe it's not about your comfort today. Be a blessing. Seek to be a blessing. And I know in this sermon series, we're going to be addressing a lot of stuff. There's going to be a lot of stuff packed into four weeks. But we spend so much time at work and so much time in our jobs. And so what's God have to say about it? Let's, 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 let's do this. It's just one more verse as we wrap it up. 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whether then you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. I love that verse. Do all to the glory of God. It's amazing. Realize that regardless of where you are, we're called to serve and to reflect God's, to serve other people in a servant-hearted way and then to reflect God's presence to the people that are there. I love it. Mary shared something. We have a volunteer rally every morning here uh, at, at 8.30 and she shared something today that all of us are ministers today. All of us are ministers. We're like all pastors. And when we go to our work, God's called us to be a pastor, to be a minister, to minister God's presence to wherever it is. That's our calling. 
That's our calling and all the people that we interact with. That's what he's calling us to do. And so whether we eat or drink, whatever we do, as Paul said, we do it all to bring glory, to bring glory to God. And so if the band wants to come forward today, I want us to do something today. What I want to do is just give, give, like, give our work to God today. Give our work to God. Nine to five, give our work to God. I'm going to take a moment to pray over us here in Grand Forks. I'm going to pray over us and people in Crookston as well as those online. And then when I'm done with this prayer, uh, we'll go the, just our different directions today. But I want us to pray and just take our work, our job. Maybe it's just a part-time job. Maybe it's our, our occupation. You know, maybe, it's, maybe we're a, a business owner, self-employed. But whatever that is, let's just say, God, this is actually yours. God, this really isn't mine. You've given me talents and abilities and you've placed me in this place. But God, ultimately, this is actually just yours. This is actually just yours. I think of, I think of my sister, who is an attorney, has her own law firm in, in Los Angeles. And it was some time ago when she called and she said, Honey, or she said, Nathan, I'm so excited. I just led my client, one of my clients to the Lord. And she said, I, I basically, what I am, I'm basically, I'm basically a pastor, but I do it under the guise of an attorney. I think of my uh, a son that's in investments. And he said, Dad, I, I realized, he's 30 years old. He says, Dad, I realize it's not really about me and about the money I make. It's because people really need help. And I really want to help them prepare for retirement. I want to help them. I want to serve them. I want to bless them. And what is, what is, what is your job? What is it that you do? What can you do with, that, that would have this eternal significance of like, like blessing the people you work with? We spend so much time with those people. We spend so much time doing what we do. And I'm just saying, God, okay, I'm available, God. Forgive me for thinking it's about me. God, this is all for you. I am giving all this work to you. And when I go to work tomorrow or tonight into that restaurant to be the waiter or to be the cook or when I'm going to go to the bank tomorrow or whatever I'm going to do tomorrow, God, I just want you to know I'm all in, God, whatever you want to do. So, Father, we just come to you today and we present to you our jobs. We present to you our employment. We present to you, Father, our vocations and our occupations. God, it's yours. God, you have given us the ability, Lord, to, to the gifts to do it. You've given us the physical capabilities, the mental capabilities. Lord, you've given us the, the finances to be able to get through college, to get this degree or whatever it may be. And God, you've provided open doors after open doors so that we've been able to get to the place where we are today. And God, it's not an, I don't believe in any way, God, that it's an accident. And so God, we take our employment and we give it to you, God, in Jesus' name, that you would be blessed in it. Father, those today, I know there's today listing here that are, are retired, God, and thank you so much for the blessing over the years of what that looked like, oh God. And Father, whatever you want to continue to do in them, God, I know that they would just respond with a resounding yes, yes, God. And so, Father, we just dedicate it all to you today for your honor and glory. Lord, take the work of our hands. Take the work of our hands and establish it and make it sound and strong today. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, thank you.
Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay connected with us, visit us on our website or check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Hello Freedom Church. Have a great week.